Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket. I'm your host, Benny, and thank you for tuning in. Folks, the IPL is back and we are in the thick of it. But before all of that, we need to talk about uh, the historic inaugural edition of the Women's Premier League or the WPL. You know, this is a tournament that a lot of fans have been clamoring for and it finally happened. We finally had... uh, essentially a shortened version of the men's Premier League. Uh, We had five teams competing for the big trophy and almost predictably Mumbai Indians walking away uh, with the big prize, Harman Preet Kaur defeating, or I should say getting one over Meg Lanning's Delhi Capitals in the end. Uh, So there's so much to talk about and we wanted to bring someone who's actually knowledgeable uh, about women's cricket and who's someone who as someone who has followed the teams and the games very closely as they happened um, over the last uh, several weeks so we had freelance journalist and founder of she talks ball radha lad gupta uh, we had her on to talk about um, how the tournament was organized as far as uh, the crowds that turned up how easy or difficult uh, it was to get tickets uh, to the games, the performance of the players themselves, you know, the overseas players, the Indian players, uh, who actually exceeded expectations and uh, who did not. Uh, We also talked about some of the innovations that uh, the WPL uh, kind of initiated, especially with regards to the reviews for wides and no balls. We talked about what the impact of this tournament will be as far as how, you know, Indian cricket fans perceive uh, the teams and the players from the Australian sides or the English sides, for instance. Uh, But really just to get a big picture of what this tournament was and how it can be in the coming years, how it can be bigger and better, so we uh, we had a good hour with Radha, and we talked about all of this and more. So stay tuned. Hey, y'all! This is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible array of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get it on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app 
or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. So Radha, before we get started, and obviously we are having you on to talk about uh, the inaugural edition of the Women's Premier League, um, I did want to talk about something that you posted on Twitter a month ago. Um, and this is actually a pinned tweet of yours too. So you had a uh, picture taken with uh, Indian player Jamima Rodriguez, and your tweet is just two 22-year-olds doing what they love, hoping to leave women's sports in India in a better place than when they first found it. And it is, first of all, incredible to me that you're 22 years old. I feel super old. Uh, thank you. Um, but, uh, you know, just like I was mentioning before we started recording, that is, you know, that is a dream to pursue your passion. So, you know, I'll, right off, I'll just say I wish you all the best in that. But but first of all, that is such an exciting thing. You know, we're going to talk about, we're going to go into detail on the Women's Premier League, obviously. But do you at any time just stop and think, wait a minute, I'm like getting to interact with all these cricketers, both Indian and international uh, sports persons of the highest caliber. Um, what am I doing here? Do you ever get that feeling? All the time. I, I don't think that feeling will ever stop, right? Um, I mean, yeah. these women are incredible. The, the stories that they have, especially coming out of India, it's not always easy. There's not always a system, as I'm sure like some previous guests have also um, you know, covered in the past. So I think... Uh, Every time, uh, you know, they do something incredible, it's a lot of credit to themselves and to their families who supported them. So the fact that I was able to sort of watch them in person and also interact with them, get a few sound bites and just, you know, give them a hug and say all the best. You deserve to be here. It's, it's very special. And I hope that, you know, this kind of interaction can continue in the future. Hopefully I can cover a lot more such tournaments and um, see them shine, you know, with my very own eyes. That is, you know, that is truly incredible. And um, again, with someone like, uh, especially um, Jemima Rodriguez, she just seems like such a down-to-earth person, uh, given the profile that she has now. I mean, in the last few years, I feel like women's cricket has just shot up in terms of household recognition. And so to see all these players, and especially through the lens of the WPL, um and we'll, we'll go more in depth about this too, but just the name recognition that they're getting uh, because of this tournament. Uh, that is incredible that you get to not only share these experiences with them, but also share it to the wider public. So that's really great. And uh, let's, let's kind of dive into it. Uh, I know, Mike, uh, you had a few questions about uh, the crowds at the WPL. So let's just kind of dive into it and go from there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we must we must talk about the crowds and the amazing support that the various teams got. Um, so obviously you were in the stadium for a lot of these matches. Um, so firstly, share your experience about the turnout, how the crowd was, um, and overall, what do you think of the scheduling um, uh, of the first Women's Premier League? Yeah, I'll start with the last part. I think the scheduling was very clear. We need to get this done before the IPL starts. And I think often it's it's going to be the case when you have uh, the first edition of the women's side of a competition coming 15 years after the the established money-making men's side of the competition, right? So um, in a way, I was like, it's a bit rushed. These players have just finished a World Cup, a majority of them at least. They're sort of 
flying to India, catching up with people they've never seen before and then getting started on this competition. So uh, scheduling wise, I really hope it gets better next year. And um, I think that's the only sort of benchmark I have as to were they really genuine about scheduling this or were they just sort of pushing it in before the real thing begins. So that's we, we sort of wait and see what happens next year. Again, I think as the inaugural edition, it all happened in two venues, which, you know, are an hour apart. So essentially the same city almost. Um, so I was quite worried that there would be saturation from the crowd, right? Like one month of the same tournament, the same venues. Of course, the pitches got tired. I was thinking maybe the people might get tired as well. But I was so very pleasantly surprised to see that the crowds were turning out night after night after night um, on consecutive days, right? It's really not easy for... Uh, a crowd to sort of come again and again. I know that there are superstars. I know that there are new teams on display every time. But of course, in one city, you don't expect so many crowds to come out. But that just speaks to the kind of demand that WPL is generating, right? So I was really happy to see that. I feel like towards like three-fourths of the tournament, in some of the afternoon games, it got less, like under 1,000. But that's a weekday afternoon game. Like, you know, it's sort of expected there. But apart from that, I was very, very happy with uh, more than expected turnout. I, uh, I mean, I have to mention this because I was just having this conversation with my wife earlier today. Um, I told her um, the IPL is starting and she was like, what? Weren't you just watching that? I was like, no, that's, that's the Women's Premier League. And she was, she was saying that that was actually a good duration. You know, it didn't go too long. It wasn't too short. And so it seemed like, you know, very self-contained. And I was thinking that's actually very true because in my years of following like the IPL, the first probably three weeks, I'm like fully into it. And then there's that middle part where I'm sort of like losing interest and I'm like doing other things. And then again, towards the last couple of weeks where everybody's fighting for that final few spots in the playoffs, you kind of gain interest again. I didn't feel any of that in the WPL. Right from game one, right through to, to the end, I was invested. I was following it. And then even online, you know, Everybody was like giving their takes on like the team compositions, team strategies, and like, um, you know, how this team will make it to the playoff. Obviously, RCB, as always, will feature in that discussion. Um, and so, I don't know, that is my initial thing. And I, I don't think that's going to stay the same, obviously, with the addition of more teams and more grounds in the future. Um, I feel like that duration is going to go. But my initial thought was this seems like a good time span for a league. Did you, do you think like that or do you think we do need it a little bit longer? Yes, I think for the inaugural edition, it was a decent duration. Of course, it had to be sandwiched between the World Cup and the IPL. So um, for it to happen in one city and for the crowds to turn out for three consecutive weeks, it was, it was an ideal duration. Also, the players require some rest. Uh, I think going forward, of course, with actual home and away venues and travel and logistics, it's going to get longer. But... It's going to get longer only with rest days in the middle. So I think in that sense, it's all right. Um, and it's going to probably emulate the IPL in a few years, hopefully in terms of number of teams, duration, format, and other things. And uh, India's taken to the IPL really well. So I don't have a doubt that the, the WPL success will follow. I'm also curious. Um, one thing that comes to mind is obviously the 100 and how they have, you know, evening and um, afternoon and evening games. One is a women's game, one is a men's game trying to copy that format and then also just from a fan experience perspective because every time I've gone to a stadium in India and I've gone on so many occasions I've been disappointed with the fan experience 
it sounded like from your tweets and tweets of others that it was very similar this time. So curious on both parts, um, what your thoughts are. Yeah, so uh, for the first bit, I'm a big fan of the 100. I'm a big fan of the the mission that it's, you know, started out with and the fact that a home fan can go and watch both their teams on a double header. Of course, it's not feasible for students who have classes in the day or who people who are working in the day to catch both games. So in that sense, scheduling it, I don't know what the turnout will be for the first game, regardless of if it's a men's or a women's game. But um, I think that kind of a mindset is important. And one example of that mindset is the fact that established men's teams who now have a women's team use the same handles. So already like a 10 million following on the Mumbai Indians. All those 10 million people are now getting to see women's posts, women's videos, interviews, highlights and whatnot, right? So that that kind of fan base is important and that kind of exposure to the fan base is important. So going forward, if schedule permits to have double headers, nothing like it. But I think the fact that the home stadium, Chinnaswamy, will remain the same for the men's or the women's team, that itself is an iconic venue for Royal Challengers Bangalore. Nobody looks at if it's men's or women's, hopefully. I hope that that's the case going forward. So um, I, I, I expect the integration to be done well. And if the integration is done well, then we'll see the fan base sort of, you know, pour over into the women's team as well. You know, one other thing that relating to tickets for these uh, for the games, um, I don't know if you tweeted about it. I remember someone posted saying that um, certain tickets were blocked for women and that men, um, I think it was like almost like reserved for women and like men couldn't get access to certain seats. And it almost seemed like that's counterproductive if you're trying to promote women's game. Uh, do, do you know anything about that? I feel like that was in the, someone posted about that. Yeah, so the ticketing as a whole has been like a nightmare. Uh, but I don't think certain tickets were secured just for women. It was more like when you're selecting your stands to purchase tickets. Since the tickets for women only were free, you had to just select a certain stand that they had to logistically put in so you could click and get a free ticket instead of clicking and getting a paid ticket. So I mean, it wasn't like this seat is just for women. It was more like if you want to, in this big stand, if you want to buy a ticket for a woman, then you just click over here and you'll get a a zero rupee ticket. But again, like they, the whole platform didn't really take in your ID details or your gender or anything. So, you know, you could just secure any ticket and at the gate, you could just squeeze in just showing your QR code. So again, like, I, I don't understand the whole process behind having like zero rupees for women and then 100 rupees for men and then causing men more problem while entering the stadium and not really having designated seats if you're going to give designated tickets. So it's like just a whole big mess. And like felt like it, it felt like there was tokenism in there. We're like, oh, it's Women's Premier League. You know, we'll get women in for free. But then the tickets are available to everyone. So suddenly, like all the tickets are sold out, but people aren't showing up and you're wondering what's happening. And, you know, there's frustration all around because people want a ticket. But since it's free, in India, if anything's free, we're going to just take it, regardless of if we value it or not sometimes. So yeah, I think that's what happened. Um, let's, let's get into the performance of the players. Um, so seven of the eight highest run getters were overseas players. Um, eight of the ten top wicket keepers were overseas. Five of the seven to strike at over 150 were overseas, and five of the six with economy less than seven were overseas. Um, I think it's fair to say that the overseas contingent did extremely well in this first edition. 
um, considering the experience of the English players who played the 100, uh, Australian players who played the women's BBL, uh, and of course, you know, CPL and, and the Caribbean, um, was this, you know, considering that they've had franchise cricket for a lot longer, they're very solid T20 teams in general. Um, was this expected? And how did you feel that the Indian contingent performed? Yeah, uh, it was definitely expected. If you look right from the auction, they were valued uh, quite highly also, quite a few of the overseas players. Of course, even without the franchise cricket, just their success in international T20 cricket also plays a huge factor in how they will perform. Uh, a lot of them have come to India for tours and for series and are familiar with the conditions, have played the against the Indian team quite a bit and are already known by the Indian fans, not as players we support, but as players we kind of hate, right, in a bantery sense. So in that sense, uh, these overseas players coming in and performing as they did, I wasn't surprised. I maybe was surprised with not enough Indians doing the same, but uh, the fact the overseas players came in, they're usually more of the senior players of the team because they've either captained a WBBL team of their own or have had success in franchise cricket, as you mentioned, in other nations. But I think that's what the WPL is about, right, in a sense. You get these experienced players in, our domestic players get to rub shoulders with them, our senior-capped internationals who've only seen them as enemies now get to share notes with them and compare strategies. And I think going forward in the following seasons, this is the kind of collaboration that's going to make our national team better. And the fact that Natsiva Brunt has come and become a household name in every home in Mumbai, uh, that's, you know, it's what you love to see, really. It is uh, it, it, it is fascinating because from, from the few... I've only really got into women's cricket in the last couple of years, uh, and I still know uh, that's been enough. That time period has been enough for me to know the, you know, it can get tense when, especially when India play Australia or when India play England, you know, a lot of incidents and reading some of the comments by the players in the press, both direct and indirect digs. So it's kind of fascinating, especially like watching like Alyssa Healy, for instance, um, guide the Indian players, when I say Indian players, like Indian national players, you know, um, and, and so it, it is true that it was kind of in a similar situation back in 2008 when the men's, you know, the IPL started, you know, we were all talking about like how will, um, you know, like when the Indian and Australian players are playing on the same team, how will that be? And for me, anecdotally, I feel like that changed how teams respected each other like when they went back to international cricket and i can kind of see that happening especially when i uh, read uh comments by Alyssa healy and i have to say like before the tournament began i was not a huge fan of Alyssa healy because i always felt like um she was being she she's a very forthright person right she's she's not one to do like any kind of diplomatic talk she'll just call it as it is and a lot of the time it it just felt targeted towards the indian team and Indian players. Uh, but at the same time, when she was leading UP Warriors, she said she spoke a lot of sense about how this tournament is. You can't lose sight of the fact that this is primarily to help develop Indian talent. Um, so for me, that, that's that been really impressive. And I think that <laughs> I, I actually posted a tweet saying, I'm despite my... Um, reservations i'm starting to like Alyssa healy a lot more <laughs> and uh, and i feel like that's a sense and uh, like a lot of indian cricket fans uh, who, are, who are following women's cricket as well are now starting to 
kind of understand where some of these cricketers come from, like their culture, like their sporting culture. Do you see that? Uh, like, I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, but also, do you see how? Do you see that changing? Just the way, like followers of Indian women's cricket see teams from, you know, these other countries. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think with the T20 exhibition, the T20 challenge, those exhibition games that used to happen a couple of years ago, that was too short a period to understand what kind of personalities you know we had brought over because we played a couple of games and we sent them back. Uh, the WPL this time around, a really, really good example and an exposure to not just the Indian players, but also to the Indian journalists, also to the Indian fans and the entire Indian cricketing ecosystem to get a flavor of what these players are on and off the field. Right? It was it was really heartwarming to see Healy uh, talk about how she wants to give Parshvi Chopra chance after chance after chance because that's literally what it is. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I had uh, the pleasure to do a small media role with UP Warriors. So I was actually at some of their trainings and some of their media shoots. And uh, one thing that I remember was I was standing by the nets uh, recording Healy, uh, you know, do some batting uh, in the nets. And she came up to Pashvi, who was bowling to her. And she sort of picked her rongan and said that I'm a wicketkeeper, so I'm able to pick the rongan. But uh, go ahead and bowl to me again because I'm preparing for when you play for the senior Indian team. So um, <laughs> just that kind of encouragement is, is really good for a 16, 17-year-old Pashvi to hear that from Healy, right? Who's not only the UP Warriors captain, but the Aussie vice captain, multiple World Cup winners. So that's the kind of um, mindset that Healy came into this competition with saying that, look, win or lose, we want to keep the Indians in a better place than, um, you know, when we came four weeks ago. So that's very exciting. I think even UP head coach was John Lewis was mentioning that again and again. And I think a lot of the other teams have also had that uh, at the forefront of their mind, you know, in terms of what we want out of the WPL. So as you mentioned, Healy doesn't really hold back her words. And I kind of respect her for that, right? Why, why should someone hold back their opinions? As long as you're not outright discriminatory or, you know, racist or in any sense, if you have an opinion, you should share it. So um, I'm really glad to see sort of uh, pictures of her and Harman sort of high-fiving after the toss and things like that because that kind of also shows you that you know the comments made about that run out and whatnot Harman is like fine like, people will talk let them talk uh, you can oh. respect them for their opinions and respect them for their cricket and the kind of chats they have with you in person as well so uh, I was really happy to see that friendship I'm n- not particularly hung up on what she's you know she she talks about off the field in terms of the Indians and their cricket and whatnot like that's all part and parcel of uh, cricket. You sort of get that with the banter. But uh, I'm really impressed with how she uh, conducted herself at the WPL and the fact that, you know, uh, she was a great leader for her side. I uh, I feel like I feel like there was a missed opportunity for someone not to do like a run out at the bowler's end <laughs> uh, and then see everybody's views on that. But maybe we didn't need that this, uh, at least for the inaugural edition. Um but but speaking about you know like like following up on what Mike was talking about like the success of the overseas players, um, one thing that I kind of was disappointed by uh, is, barring a few exceptions, you know the Indian senior women, you know like the the one, the the women who are playing for the Indian national team, a lot of them didn't seem to have a great tournament. Like obviously the first name that comes to mind is Smriti. Uh, Mandana, um, I was really surprised. I was expecting her to do really well, so I was surprised that she didn't have uh, a, the greatest of seasons. 
but overall, what what is your take on how like the in the senior uh, players did in this uh, edition? Yeah, I mean, for anybody who watched the WPL, it wasn't good enough, right? For like maybe let's say our starting eleven in a T Twenty World Cup, out of those eleven, how many performed to their abilities? I don't think more than two. So in that sense, that is disappointing for us. Of course, I can't really pinpoint a reason as to why, let's say, Smithy didn't get going. I don't know whether it was the captaincy burden or the price tag burden, if that played at all in her mind, or an external burden that you know you and me just don't know about, right? So. Uh, and sometimes you just take too long to click, and in a short format like this, by the time you click, it's too late. You're already out of the competition. So that's that right. just happens sometimes. Um, and I think <clears throat> because the overseas players dominated quite a bit, sometimes the Indians don't even get batting, right? So that kind of thing also takes place. I think with the with the inaugural edition, it's acceptable. Again, as long as we see that these players are still being developed, as long as we see that these players. For example, Aman Jodhkar in the Mumbai Indians. I mean, I watched, was fortunate enough to watch so many games from the stands. The kind of work rate she has on the field, one of the most crucial players in terms of saving those ones and twos at the boundary, but also getting those quick runouts from the 30-yard circle. So that kind of impact, if you can have just in one of the departments that everyone is all like you know by default a part of, that makes you very, very crucial. And you know when she had to step up with the bat or the ball, she did that as well. So. I think the overseas will dominate a bit, but they will be phased out into a balance with the overseas and Indian as the matches number of matches grow, as the stakes of you know the each match grow, and of course as home and away comes in, you'll have to sort of switch out players in terms of fatigue and other things, and that's when you, we'll really see a balance sort of fall in. But yeah, as for this inaugural edition, there was an imbalance in terms of the Indians not participating uh, to the highest level. Staying with that. Um... Let's talk about some of the young players. I know we've talked about some of the experienced senior players. Um, I think we all really liked what we saw of uh, Shriyanka Patil. Um, uh, you already mentioned the other spinner who was very impressive. Uh, so are there any others who really caught your attention? And I know you, you follow women's cricket maybe closer than the two of us do, but so maybe you already had them on your radar. But um, who are the others who you know did really well in this first edition? Uh, yeah, so I will quickly just mention Shafali and get her out of the way because she's very young, although she's done it all in that sense. Uh, she had a Probably great more tournament. experience than a lot of uh, yeah. older Much players more experience. at this point. Absolutely right. So just mentioning that she's still 19 and getting that out. I think, as you mentioned, uh, Shanka Patel, really, really bright talent. I feel like she's uh, a great personality as well on and off the field. She was very, I spoke to her just before the WPL. I had the privilege to do like a 10-15 minute interview with her and she was just like, I want to rub shoulders with Elise Perry. Like I just want to. Th- I just want to see what Smithy Mandana is thinking about, and um, the fact that she got match after match performed with the bat, with the ball, and in the field. Like she's a proper Indian star in the making. Uh, Kanika Ahuja, another one from RCB. RCB got their first win in the competition over UP. I was in the stands for that game, and Kanika Ahuja just batted UP out of that competition, out of that fixture. So I think uh, great credit to her. 20-year-old, I think, from Patiala and Punjab. So I think um, awesome performance there. Uh, I think overall, we saw maybe Mumbai and Delhi not have those many newcomers or youngsters in their setup. And that could, I'm not saying it is, but it also could be a reason why they both were in the final. Maybe they just went with uh, an 11 that is very, very experienced at works and they you know got to the final because they had many match winners in their side. And... Uh, 
you can't fault them for that as well. You've come in this competition to win. As long as the, the work is happening behind the scenes, maybe this one edition, we can see the, the cap players uh, getting the limelight. But of course, again, as we mentioned, as seasons go on, it will be it won't be feasible for the cap players to play every game with travel and fatigue and whatnot. So, yeah, I think uh, Pashri, again, we mentioned, super, super impressive. I think Shweta Serawat also for UP uh, was sort of shuffled around the batting order a bit, didn't quite find her footing. But there were a couple of matches where she looked in really good touch and then a couple of dot balls, uh, you know, put her under pressure and she uh, lost her wicket. But again, that's the kind of experience that you require. And that's the kind of uh, exposure that will ensure you don't do that at the international stage or will, you know, give you that temperament to just see out that bad phase and then punish the balls that come after that. So, yeah, the WPL as a whole has been super, super exciting to watch these personalities. I was going to just add with Sharawat in particular, I was I was hoping to see more, especially after her under-19, you know, um, success. I was hoping to see a lot more of her. But but you're right, she did have to jumble around the batting order and that's, that can be easy. Um for somebody like her. Um, but I, I do agree with your point about it being more long-term because as you were saying that, I was thinking back and trying to remember who did well in, you know, say 2008 IPL, 2007 IPL. And one of the names that struck with me was Ravindra Jadeja was, you know, one of the young stars where Shane Warne called him rock star and all of that. And he didn't become an India, you know, champion in 2010. Like it didn't happen in two years. It happened over the years. And now, of course, we regard him as, you know, the world's greatest, world's best test all-rounder right now, at least. So it's it's going to be slow. We have to be patient with it. Um, but I, I do agree. We, we, we would hope that teams such as Delhi, such as Mumbai, do invest time, even if, if possible, game time. But if, if, even if that's not possible, at least behind the scenes and, you know, get these young players more opportunities and more exposure. Yeah, you, I mean, following up on that point, that, that that's such a really good point because, you know, what I'm thinking is, you know, just leaving aside the cricketing skills part of it, right? I mean, imagine all these cricketers, and I'm not just putting young Indian cricketers in this, but also some of the cricketers are already in the Indian national team, but you get to feed off... Um, the intensity of someone like Marizan Cap or the tactical acumen of someone like Alyssa Healy. I mean, any Australian for that matter, like how do, what is their thought process? Uh, and just like, or even like the English cricketers like Nats Ver, uh, Brunt, Heather Knight, just, or Sophie Devine, all of them with all of the experience that they have, um, how do you deal with in, in a crunch situation? How do you handle pressure? Stuff like that, which, you only get normally you would only get from being in that situation yourself but now they get to talk to all these players and talk to them like hey you know in the, in the world cup you did this and you know in this situation you played like this and from whatever little that i've seen um all of the overseas players seem to have had this you know being very willing to share their wisdom and, and i and i'm really hoping that's like the biggest gain apart from just rubbing you know, like uh, shoulders with, you know, all these cricketers and kind of learning about their technique or, you know, figuring all of that out. But even the mental aspect of it, that's what I'm really hoping because I feel like Indian cricket, um, you know, we, we've had a couple of major trophies that just slipped out of the grasp because when it came to crunch time, we kind of fell short. So I'm really hoping that's like a big takeaway. Apart from fielding too, I feel like fielding has a long way to go too. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think uh, 
as you mentioned right at the beginning, uh, that picture I have with Jemmy. So I was at the DC presser and I asked a question to Jemmy saying, you've been given the deputy duties for this competition, right? But being a deputy of Meg Lanning, a serial winning captain, who's probably one of the greatest captains in this sport. How, what, how do you support her? What is your supporting role? And she just turned to Meg Lanning and said, Meg, I'm going to annoy you quite a bit. And I think that sort of sums up uh, what she can take away from Meg, right? She's just going to be picking her brains, going to be chatting her up. And in terms of contribution, of course, she provides a lot of insight into the Indian setup and the Indian opposition that we're going to face. In terms of leading a team tactically, I think Meg Lanning is going to have a, a lot to impart, a lot of wisdom to impart to Jemmy. And that, as you mentioned, is really what, um, you know, the Indians can take away from these kind of serial winning Australian captains and whatnot, not just the, the tactical side of things, but how she stays calm in situations, how she deals with the defeat mm-hmm. and things like that. That's very important as well. And and I think the one one thing to add is I, I feel like in today's day when there's an assistant coach, there's a fielding coach, and I, I think it's definitely a lot more on the men's side, but it's still it's also starting to come on the women's side. Um, there are already a, there's a backroom staff who does technical things and tactical things for you. So it doesn't, the captain or the vice captain doesn't need to be the smartest technically. They need to be the smart, they need to be smart enough to make a decision on the inputs they're getting. But the one aspect that not everybody's a natural at is man management, you know, just people management. And when I was reading um, Fire Burns Blue, that they talked about how Mithali Raj wasn't a natural at it. So this will be a really good stepping stone for somebody like Jemmy. Uh, I mean, she seems like a great people person already, but maybe some others, you know, who may not be as open to talk about it. They may be shy. They may be, whatever reason, they might just have a personality where they're not as comfortable just, you know, putting shoulder on, putting their arm on somebody's shoulder and just, you know, pulling somebody up. Um, so I think from that man management, the people management aspect, this will be a really good uh, experience for all these youngsters as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a huge, huge factor in a team sport. And the fact that on on field, you can make these decisions. I'll give you a quick example. At the end of the final on the Hindi broadcast, Shafali said that um, I was ready to sit on the field. I wasn't going to leave after that no no ball call was given out. But she was like, Meg Lanning Lanning told me, so I left. But uh, I had no sort of intention (laughs) to leave. And that also speaks to the kind of I mean, she she had a figure of Meg Lanning batting for eight matches with her, the kind of wisdom that has been imparted in the middle of overs. And she kind of sees Meg Lanning's temperament and management of the situation, management of decisions taken for or against the team. And I think that gave me great insight into the fact that Meg Lanning is so influential, right? Who's someone who's been in opposition for Shafali the entire time now is giving guidance to her and has... Uh, made her into an uh, Aussie fielder, if I might say. So she had some great fielding <laughs> efforts for, for DC as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it all speaks to the kind of uh, people's person you are. Also, how strange was it to not see Meg Lanning hold a trophy at the end of the tournament? <laughs> that must have been surreal for her to be like, what am I doing on this side? <laughs> yeah, and I think she said she but... felt a bit silly with that orange cap. She's like, this is so weird. I don't know why I have yeah. this cap. Um, I'd much rather have the trophy. But uh, I was overwhelmed with the fact that Harry had a trophy in her hands. Uh, you know, a well-deserved yeah, that... victory for, for Mumbai Indians. I think the best team of the competition did end up winning uh, yeah. on the final stage. But yeah, Meg Lanning, she's like, oh, well, I, I guess I have enough. This one can go to someone else. But uh, yeah, look, yeah. It's, it's good to get one over Meg Lanning, whatever competition it might be. Yeah. I mean, speaking about the orange cap, I mean, that's one of those IPL things, right? Um, 
and uh, along along that vein, you know, there were some of uh, some innovations that they brought forth in the WPL, which now they're continuing in the IPL as well. I'm curious to get get your thoughts on the reviews for wides and no balls. Do you think that it enhanced the game, uh, enhanced the competition in this edition? Uh, I think thrill and you know drama wise, it did enhance. I feel like it's not a bad edition as long as it's managed well in terms of the time taken between asking for the review and getting it on the screen and whatnot. That I felt like cut some of the momentum out of the the thrill that was building up. Uh, as a concept, I think it's okay. I I don't have a very strong opinion on it, but I think if it's reducing the human error of you know calling a wide from from the naked eye twenty two yards away, I'm okay with that. I feel like. Uh, UP were the ones to sort of use it quite a bit. Grace Harris versus Gujarat Giants. She was like pumped up. She was like, that's a wide, that's a wide. So um, in the stands, we're all very confused because it doesn't show up on the screens for a while. And we're wondering, nobody's been given out. So what, this re- <laughs> what is this review about? Yeah. But, um, you know, just <laughs> speculation and drama wise, it's quite exciting. And of course, uh, if it results in a non-wide being given a wide and then called back to a non-wide, like I'm, I'm happy with that. I think if my team deserves a dot ball and the umpire doesn't give it i i, I want to take a review to get that dot ball back so in that sense i'm happy with that i can see teams um and probably even like management getting frustrated about the momentum part though because that is so crucial uh especially in tight games where it can be used tactically to kind of all right let's take a breather let's just review this and i kind of saw that at times that happening too but another thing yeah. that i was surprised a lot of teams didn't do which delhi did was have uh, an associate player um, and actually end up having five overseas players. And we saw how Tara Norris was really good in the few games that she did get. Uh, do you see that the success of Tara Norris? We got to fly the USA flag while we're here. Of course, represent, right? Uh, but do you see more teams like looking at that and saying, maybe we should get more associate players? A hundred percent. I think hindsight is twenty twenty. So people are looking at that Tara Norris Pfeiffer and saying, wow. We want that as well. Uh, I think with the Fairbreak International, uh, Fairbreak Invitational competition also giving such exposure to the the associate nations and their players, uh, it's going to be very important going forward for the Fairbreak to feed into the WPL and the WPL to feed into that and sort of, you know, that whole snowball effect to take place. But yeah, Taranor is like absolute uh, golden purchase, if I may say so. And I think she came in first time to India. She seems like she had a blast. Uh, hopefully, yeah. I'll get her uh, for a conversation very soon on She Talks Ball as well. But I think overall, a very smart auction by DC. Uh, you know, I think they managed to have all 11 capped players on the field for majority of their matches, which is something not very common. I think they had seven Indian capped players and then four overseas or the four plus one overseas also capped. So uh, that was really exciting uh, to see DC do that very well. But yeah, Tara Norris, you know, uh, she's definitely... Uh, someone who the Indians are going to remember once this WPL has come to an end. Yeah. And I do, uh, I I know we're kind of coming up close to wrapping up, but um, we kind of talked about players from three teams primarily, uh, or probably four of them, but uh, Gujarat Giants, um, they just didn't seem to have a good uh, inaugural edition, obviously, getting their captain ruled out of the tournament right at the first game and then Snerana having to step up. Uh, what is your quick take on just how the campaign went for them? Yeah, cricketing-wise, I feel like they just never got going. 
they mustered up a couple of wins here and there but again not enough in in an eight match league uh, stage competition i feel like after the auction they or oh, sorry before the auction they announced the best of the best you know names in terms of their coaching staff or oh, rachel haynes has come back oh mitali raj or oh, nushin al khadir and we were all like wow what's happening here you know star studded uh, backroom staff but again the auction i don't know how great it was for them and then with having beth mooney retired hurt and out of the competition in the first game dot in drama happening uh, with that whole medical form that she needed to fill up yeah. then them bringing in kim garth and you know she got a fifer and there was suddenly like some sort of new life in the team but again a bit too late and then laura volvard comes in and then they drop an inform sofia dunkley for laura volvard in the 11 and then she doesn't perform and they're like wait let's drop her and get sofia back yeah. and then sofia doesn't perform and they're like okay let's get both of them up in the order and so there was just too much chopping and changing by the time they figured out what the hell was happening the top 3 had been decided so for them it was a, probably a tournament to forget their social media admin was great but you know that doesn't win you wpl trophies <laughs> what is your take on snayrana's captaincy because uh, in in my few years of following indian cricket i feel like captaincy has been between mithali raj harmanpreet kaur uh, and smriti mandana and now there's almost like consideration like oh wait we have another option if we ever needed to use that so in that respect did you see anything in snail rana's captaincy that would be like okay this is a good viable option yeah i think snail rana is a great leader if i'm not wrong she's led the railway side for quite a bit now and uh, is being one of the most dominant domestic sides in in domestic indian women's cricket so i feel like she has that leadership uh, mentality already because beth mooney was such a big face big name big personality she was given leadership i don't even know if beth mooney you know wanted the leadership uh, but the fact that snehrana then uh, you know got the reins officially with ash gartner as her vice captain i think that duo was very good because when ash was at the boundary snehrana was inside manning the the you know the wicket keeping and the bowling and whatnot and then snehrana went back ash gartner was in so they had a really good tandem and i think they probably were the one vice captain and captain pair that were almost equal they were almost like co-captains mm. in my opinion right otherwise you had probably like a dominant captain and then a vice captain a little bit either for name or just to give that indian uh, representation kind of thing so i think gujarat giants got that co-captaincy really uh, sorted and of course like uh, she was very vocal on the field in terms of talking to the bowlers if you know they got hit for a couple of boundaries she would run up always so uh, warrior mentality she put her body on the line she walked off the field a couple of times with you know injured fingers and and a little bit of bleeding as well so i think in that sense she gave her all for the team and uh, yeah i do see a uh, good leadership uh, side in her as well you know uh we 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 could go on and on uh because i feel like there's just so much we haven't really talked about um but you know the inaugural edition of the WPL you know as a fan it was just great to watch you know for me i was invested right from the beginning through the end and it was great to see uh the players have a really great time both you know local and international you know uh, i watched the, some of the videos of the rcb players um you know celebrating holi and i hope elise very managed to get that color out of her hair eventually um but all that said to me it was a resounding success and i think there's just so much potential going forward and you know in my wish list is like for more teams to be added um 
and for you know like you mentioned earlier like home and away which you know we are getting back into it uh, in the IPL this year so do you have any wish list of your own like anything that some of the obvious uh, we may have missed uh, outside the obvious ones is there anything that you see that can make this bigger and better in the coming years so apart from what you mentioned two things come to mind number one is make the fan experience a good one uh, having attended i think 20 out of 22 games the fan you're asking too much yeah i know so you asked for a wish list you know <laughs> this true. is my wish list <laughs> my wish list is to just have smooth entry into the stadiums you know don't throw people out for carrying like a small bag with their wallet and what not in it um <laughs> merchandise would be another big one that i feel like was a big missed opportunity the teams the the established men's teams so they have whatever mumbai indian shop and what not and they don't have customization for the women's names or the women's numbers Uh, Mumbai Indians had the women's jersey available with the orange stripes down the side, but again, you couldn't really get core on it, which everybody in the stadium wanted, right? And I went up to them and I said, you know. "Hey, why, why can't I get uh, Harry's name on it?" They said, "Ma'am, first year. Ma'am, first year. Ma'am, first year." And I feel like you know, just saying first year here, we don't know what's happening, is not a good enough excuse. You should know what's happening. This is the competition that your team is playing in, right? And and right. they're like, "Oh, we don't know if there's demand." I'm like, "If you don't supply it, how will you know if there's demand or not?" So. I feel like merchandise big missed opportunity a lot of people wanted to rep their players especially a lot of people who couldn't travel to Mumbai to watch it wanted to have that little bit of a WPL feel and have that jersey at home while watching in front of the TV so merchandising uh, would be one that I hope they get started by next year like you know for sure and ticketing experience yeah <clears throat> I don't know it just felt like a very haphazard kind of thing so having that kind of ticketing and in stadium experience much better uh, would be yeah, the top two things in my wish list apart from you know what you've mentioned home and away more teams all of that just so much room to grow if the stakeholders pay attention uh, or i should say the people who are in charge pay attention to the biggest stakeholders of the game yeah. which, uh, which are the fans and i know mine has a lot of thoughts on it which will probably yeah. for another day we need we need two more hours for that but um <laughs> but uh, yeah i mean i think the one thing we didn't mention about you know hopes for coming edition is a bigger budget as well for teams i think correct mm. me if i'm wrong but it was 12 crores for this edition and that meant that they could only get you know certain 18 or odd players so i i would like to have a bigger squad because i know ipl teams travel with 60 people including support staff and yeah. 20 to 25 players um i see no reason why we can't you know get a bigger squad and that way i, I mean i understand obviously not everybody's going to get a game that happens all the time in all leagues but um even just sharing the dressing room makes makes a lot of difference for many youngsters yeah i did see some team owners make that comments after the auction about why didn't we pick this player why didn't you pick that player i mean it was crazy that someone like lara wolward was not initially picked um and uh and, and they talked about that so i feel like it's kind of like a trial run this uh edition but we really shouldn't have that excuse in the coming um coming years but uh But rather thank you so much. Uh again like I said earlier we could go on and on but uh we want to respect your time but please do come back. Uh I think there are some really great uh these are some really great times for women's cricket and obviously the the WPL may be over but there are so many other tournaments uh in, coming up outside of the uh, international series. Uh there is you know the, the fair break. So uh please do come back and uh 
talk to us about that and talk to us about, you know, these exciting things uh, that's happening in women's cricket. Um, but yeah, we wish you all the best in your own um, freelance career and hope you keep going on to bigger uh, and brighter things. Uh, for our listeners, uh, you can follow Radha on Twitter at Radha Lat Gupta and also check out our YouTube channel, She Talks Ball. We'll put the links in our uh, podcast page. So um, yeah, once again, thank you, Radha. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me and I hope to be back. Thank you for listening to an episode of The Last Wicket. Do check out other episodes on your podcast app of choice or at thelastwicket.com. This podcast is a Cricket Guys production featuring your hosts, Benny and Mike. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do let a friend know, rate and subscribe on your platform of choice, follow us on your social media feeds, and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Thank you again for listening. And from all of us here at The Last Wicked, stay safe, stay healthy.